Welcome to the Landman Pivot Podcast. I'm your host and pivot coach, Ryan Fairbanks. I'm a registered professional landman with the American Association of Professional Landmen. During my 15 years as a petroleum landman, I've gained a passion for helping others level up their skill set and mindset so they can be ready for anything in our ever-changing industry. One of my favorite ways to do this is by introducing listeners to mentors and coaches like me who want to see you succeed. At the end of the interview, I'll tell you more about additional resources you can use to forge new connections and gain new skills to get you moving forward with confidence. Today we have Curtis Morley, author of The Entrepreneur's Paradox. He's going to share some overview of the book and then we'll have some time for questions and answers at the end. Okay, let's dive right in. So um, for this for this call, um, I'm going to ask for three tenants. And um, and you've already been going through the book. So Ryan probably has already gotten you to these points, but the those three tenants are going to be vulnerability, honesty, and accountability. And when I work with clients, when I help people go from basement to buyout, I... I require these three things because these three things, um, they're the foundation of growth. This is the foundation of growth to be able to, um, to be able to be vulnerable and open yourself up to, um, to where you're at um, in honesty and then take accountability for your actions. Those are the three things that, that really are the foundation of growth. So if I can ask that of everyone here and then we'll, We'll jump right in. So February 9th, 2020, 1 a.m. It was negative four degrees. 36 degrees below the freezing point. It was 1 a.m. And the reason it was 1 a.m. is because we had a task ahead of us that was going to take so much time we had to start in the middle of the night so that when we were exhausted when we couldn't take another step we could be back down before the following night and to put that in perspective we as a group were going 2.2 miles from the base camp of kilimanjaro to uhuru peak the third summit on kilimanjaro And Uhuru Peak is just under the cruising altitude of a jet. So when you get on an airplane and the captain gets on the, gets on the radio and he says, uh, we're now approaching cruising altitude at 20,000 feet. That is just barely above the summit of Kilimanjaro. Um, to give a little more perspective in, in that, base camp is at 15,500 feet. There is no spot in the continental United States that's that's high. There, there's nowhere in the continental United States that's 15,000 feet. So you can't even get that high on your own two legs anywhere from the east to the west coast. It's impossible. And that's where we were starting that's where base camp was. And base camp, we had to go 2.2 miles to get to the summit. And we had to start at 1 a.m. in order to get back down before the next sunset. 
Think about that. When is the last time it took you over 24 hours to go two miles? <laughs> and so starting at 15,000 feet and going to just under 20,000 feet, the vertical on that, it felt like it was straight up. And if we're holding our trekking poles. Up until this point, we hadn't even used our trekking poles, but we were holding our trekking poles. And this is how it went. Step, plant, Step, plant, step, plant, over and over and over again in 36 degrees below freezing, bundled up in every piece of clothing we can put on our bodies in pitch black. This particular night had no moon was completely devoid of the moon all we could see was about six feet in front of us and one step after another step plant breathe step plant breathe took us to what i call the ice cave and as soon as we got to this point um simon our main guide for this leg of the expedition he said he said you must not sit down because if you sit down you do not get up. And, and it was true. And the funny thing is immediately half of our group, they sat (laughs) immediately. And it's just this teeny little alcove where we could get out of the wind for just a minute. And, um, and he said, you must not sit. You must not sit. If you sit down, you do not get up. And, um, and they just sat. And so the rest of us were trying to lift their spirits and giving them, you know, shot blocks and energy chews and anything we could do and trying to pull them, lift their spirits, but also lift their bodies, physically link arms and lift them so that they would stand back up. And we heard words like, what was I thinking? I'm not made for this. Why didn't I train harder? I can't do this. I'm not a mountain climber. Over and over again. And even the words, I'm going back. I'm giving up. They'd come 8,000 miles by plane. We'd hiked the total voyage. The total journey is over 44 miles climbing this mountain. We were one mile from the top, one mile. And we heard the words, I can't do this. I'm giving up. And we said, no, no, you're not. (laughs) Nope. That's not happening. You are not giving up. And we lifted them spirits and bodies. And we said, we're going, we are climbing this mountain. We're going to do this. And there's a phenomenon that happens right before you see the sun. It's the darkest and coldest point of any day is right before the dawn. And it actually gets considerably colder before the sun rises. In It's about an hour time frame it gets considerably colder right before the sun rises and it gets darker before the sun rises. The way the sun bends around the earth, it actually gets darker. And so 
as we were going, and this is, you know, me, the one that had been lifting others, I'm thinking, how can I even take another step? How can I take one more step? Because the mountain, they have a saying about the mountain that you can't go up without coming down changed. And every person in our expedition was a different person when they came back. And the reason why is because the mountain strips you down to nothing but your soul. There is nothing left. There's no titles. There's no cars. There's no money. There's nothing left but your soul. And that's it. And the mountain strips you down to that. And just when I was having thoughts of, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. I can't imagine taking another step. This happened. We saw the sun. And at first it just creased, just a thin crease, a line. But we were so high, we could actually see the curvature of the earth. The horizon was no longer flat. We could actually see the earth bend out in front of us. And seeing that sun, seeing, you know, just when we're in our darkest, coldest place, seeing that sun rise above the curved horizon, all of a sudden gave us strength and gave us the power to make it up. And we did. We made it to Gilman's Point. Our entire expedition made it to Gilman's Point. And behind this monstrous crag in front of us is the second summit. And the second summit is called Stella Point. And from Stella Point, then we get to pass the glacier to our final destination of Uhuru Peak. And it's funny because as we were hiking day after day, um, it, for some reason, the mountain never got smaller. <laughs> it, never, it never got closer. It never got smaller until we were finally on that last summit day. And as entrepreneurs, we think there's all these destinations that we can get to. There's all these places that we can go. And the truth is, there's only three destinations. But regardless what destination it is, regardless of what mountain we're going to climb, um, just like Google Maps, Google Maps needs two things to navigate. What are those two things? Let's say, for example, if I want to go, say, from my house to one of my favorite resorts, the Zermatt, what are the two things that Google needs to navigate? It needs to know where you are and... It needs to know where you want to be. Think about if you if you turned off your GPS and you said, Google, take me to Zermont, what would happen? It would have no idea how to get you there because it doesn't know where you are. Um, and it doesn't know, you know, if you did the opposite and said, hey, Google, take me somewhere. <laughs> it won't be able to get you there because you need to know two things. Number one, you need to have a very honest, vulnerable view of where you are. Where are you? In truth, where are you? And in my first business, this was so hard for me. I didn't want anyone to know where I was at. No matter if I was at a revenue of 400,000 or 4 million, 
it was always too small. I didn't want to be vulnerable. I didn't want to be honest. I didn't want to have accountability to say, yeah, I'm at $4 million or I'm at 400,000. It didn't, you know, I'm at 10 million. It didn't matter. It was always too small because there was always somebody better, somebody bigger. And I never wanted to put myself out there and say, this is where I'm at. And where I wanted to be, I never had that specific goal either. So here's the question for you. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Do you have a goal? But here's the question. Is it a goal or is it a wish? Is it a goal or is it a dream? Is it a goal or is it maybe a hope? Because if you just say, Google, take me somewhere, you'll never make it to the top of the mountain. You have to know exactly where you're going. And so with that, there's only three mountain ranges. That's it. When I work with entrepreneurs, they, you know, they think, oh, I can go anywhere. Actually, no. You can only go to three places. One is to create a lifestyle company. The second is a buyer be bought company. And the final one is an IPO. That's it. Those are the only destinations you can go to. And within that mountain range, you have your own individual mountain, but you've got to pick one of these three mountain ranges. And so I love what Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice in Wonderland said, he said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will do. And so in business, a true goal, a true goal, finding your summit involves these parts. And I know you've studied the book. So um, these are the four parts, how much, by when, for what, and why. The reason these four key elements, and we're actually going to talk a little bit about this, the reason these are so critical, that these are such important elements, is that the um, that without this, you don't have a business. Without this, you have a hobby, you have a fun idea, you have a wish, you have a hope. Business is about revenue. Business is about making money. And no matter what your goal, or no matter how altruistic you are, businesses don't survive unless you make money. And so that first one, how much? What is your financial goal by when? And Ren, tell me if I'm if I'm on track here or not, but this requires a specific date. Does everyone have a specific date? I don't want in five years, I will. I don't want in 2030, I will. I want April 10th. I want, you know, April 11th or 10th or whatever the date is. I want a very specific date here. And the reason why we're going to actually illustrate here in just a second, the reason why is because it does magic when you put that date in there. Then for what is what event is going to happen? Is it going to be an IPO, an acquisition? Are you going to buy your dream house? Um, what event will happen when you reach that goal? And then the why. The why is what gets you out of bed in the world. How, how or what gets you out of bed every day in this world? What are you going to make the world better for? The, the next step is once you have your success formula, then you need to reverse engineer the goal. 
And that's chapter three of the book. And I know you've gone through this. You need to reverse engineer why, why that number, why that date, why that event, and what is going to happen inside of you. Um, this is Kylie Chen. Kylie is one of my favorite young entrepreneurs. She started a global expedition company. And she um, was doing amazing, just crashing it, creating these global expeditions. And, um, and then if anybody remembers, the same time that I was on top of Kilimanjaro, something else happened in February of 2020. It's called COVID. And literally half of our group didn't make it back to the United States for three weeks. Um, because COVID shut us down, or, well, I made it back, but they didn't. Um, but if you think about the industries that were hardest hit by COVID, what were the hardest hit industries? Travel and food. Restaurants were going out of business in droves. And Kylie went from a multi-million dollar business to zero. We're not talking like a thousand or 10,000 or we're talking zero. She had 100% of her booked expeditions cancel in one month. And Kylie could have said, well, I'm done. You know, that was a fun ride. Oh, well, we're, we're, we're over. She could have been at the ice cave and she could have said, I'm going back. I put in all this effort. I've come this far, but you know what? I'm not made for this. But she didn't. So instead of closing shop, Kylie said, you know what? I've got all these people around the world that lead these expeditions for my customers. They're going, they're going to starve if I don't do something. So she created the adventure dress. And it's this dress that you can squish down into a ball about that big. And then you can pop it back open. It No wrinkles. It's beautiful. And you can take it on adventures around the world. And she had all of her people that were leading expeditions start making these dresses but she came to me and she said Curtis I have no idea how to run a clothing company I don't do that I don't know about inventory I don't know about you know fulfillment I don't know any of this how am I going to run this company and I said Kylie we need we need to meet two people we need to meet two people and this was on a Thursday and um, when I met with Kylie Friday, I was in a teepee, um, don't ask, um, and <laughs> I'm in this teepee, and I look down the row, and who is there but an old acquaintance that was one of the two people that I said Kylie needs to meet. I'd lost her number. I had no way of contacting her, and the next day, there she is in the teepee. The following day, um, I decided to climb a place called Horsetail Falls. And um, I told her that she needs, so this this company um, was Baby Bling. The other one was Rags to Rachel, started by Rachel Nilsson. The next day I'm hiking Horsetail Falls, get to the top and um, ask a gal if she would take the, a picture of my friend and I. And that gal happened to be Rachel Nilsson. I had never met Rachel Nelson before, but I told Kylie, this is who I will get you in front of are these two people. And within two days, it happened. 
But not only does when you put something out into the universe, you not only do you manifest your future, that you actually create your future, but something else happens. Your brain changes. Your brain actually changes. And there's so much science. I wish we had the time to get into the science behind this. But your brain changes. There is no better problem-solving computer in the world than right here. This eight pounds of, of flesh inside your skull. That is the best problem-solving computer. And by putting it out there, you just told your brain, here's the problem I need you to solve. You did that. And it changed specifically because you have a date, a calendar date when this is going to happen. And that's when it becomes real. When we create those goals, when we know our summit, and then we start to put these parameters, our brain starts to organize the data so that we can make it to the top. That's what happens. Your brain actually changes configuration when you do this. That's the difference between having a uh, wishy-washy hope or a dream versus having a goal. Because then all of a sudden you have parameters. You know what date it is. You know what amount it is. You know all of these things. You know what events can happen. That's what we just did. But we're doing it in the long term. Join us next time for part two of this conversation, where you can learn more about the resources we have to offer. Thanks for listening to the Landman Pivot Podcast. I'm Ryan Fairbanks, RPL.